All right. Welcome to episode five, everyone. My name is Nick Tasky, and today I'm joined by Mark Rudemos. Mark's been a mate of mine now for, I don't know, probably since 2017. We did Czech Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 2 together in Sydney with Joe Rushton. And uh, we lost contact for a little while, uh, but then when I moved back to Brisbane in 2019, um, I got in contact with Mark and we started working out of the same studio together. So we've been kind of friends ever since then. And, and I think uh, probably now we talk more than, more than we ever have, actually. We, it's a, it's a, it's a good relationship. So I'll pass over to Mark. I'll let him introduce himself. Um, take yeah, it from thanks, there, Nick. Yeah. And um, it, it's been a, a great friendship, which I've learned a lot from. I think, I think you're right. When we first worked at the studio, we were working essentially separate hours. So we didn't really talk um that often and then and then we both left at around about the same time and um to start our own brands and uh then we started staying in contact and it was like cool i've got certain information you you really study different branches of information which is quite interesting so you know i think we're always learning from each other which is pretty awesome um and don't always have to necessarily agree as well um so yeah it, it's pretty good to have someone to pass ideas off of and i think you've always got a different perspective um and not not necessarily that we that we disagree a lot but it's good to have someone to pass ideas off of yeah yeah and and you know uh the recent rabbit hole you've gone down around um sort of blue light emf sort of stuff you know it's definitely made me more conscious um and you know i thought i had kind of everything sorted but now it's like all right i've got another layer to work through um so so, you know, That's actually had... been really exciting for me because for a little while I've I, I kind of felt a little bit stagnant and I'm like, what's what's exciting at the moment? Like <laughs> what else? You know, what else is there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the supplements stuff or, or you know, I guess supplements aren't like what the check system is about or what you're mostly interested in. But when I'm, you know, when I feel like I've got the diet and lifestyle stuff covered, then I'm like, well, what can I add to this to 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 add some uh to some cream to the top or, or to you know take things to the next level? And I've kind of just felt for a little while a little bit stagnant in that way. You know, I think where maybe maybe one of my neuroses uh, is always trying to make things better than they are, but uh, the light side of things has got me excited, and then everything that goes with that a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly interesting. Um, you know, I've, I've had an earthing sheet now for a few years um, and uh, definitely try and touch the earth every day. Um, but what you're working with around definitely the light and the, and the blue light, I'm like, all right, I've got to be more conscious of this. So, so yeah, I've, yeah. I've, it's, it's helped me change a habit. You know, I've started um, uh, dimming my lights earlier, putting on the Himalayan rock salt lamp um, oh, yeah? and, you know, just, just trying to tone down a little bit more before bed rather than sort of rushing away at my laptop, trying to churn out emails too late. So, um, so it's definitely helped me change some behavior. Um, and I think where, you know, some of, some of the things where, you know, um, I've potentially assisted with your knowledge base uh, was probably a, re- a bit more around the mindset sort of side. Cause that's kind of a bit of a passion of mine to really go into the mindset side around, you know, thoughts and emotions and, and, you know, how they can manifest in certain things. So, um, yeah, no, no, I think we're both pretty much aligned around sort of the nutrition. I've bumped into the organic markets a few times. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and on the exercise side as well. Yeah. And so I guess your 
you started off just as, as a regular personal trainer, right? And then you got introduced to the to the Czech stuff through, uh, I believe it was, a, you said it was a leg length discrepancy. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so more or less, that's what happened uh, in terms of the sequencing of events. Um, uh, you know, I had, I had an injury where it was like two hernias and then, you know, um, the surgeon sent me off for x-rays and so forth. And then I was like, oh, look, you know, these hernias have probably come around um, due to a leg length discrepancy. So right leg being slightly shorter than the left leg. Um, and I was like, cool, you know, I got a lift in one of my shoes. Um, and, you know, I hated that, to be honest with you. I was walking around and I was getting a sore back. I'd never actually suffered sore backs until I started using, you know, a little lift in one of my shoes. I actually got like four or five of my shoes like cobbled with a lift, you know, so... Huh. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was, and then my lower back started hurting quite a lot. So I was like, there's got to be, there's got to be another way. So, um, that basically coincided with, um, me coming across the Czech stuff. So, you know, uh, a, a massage therapist actually recommended, uh, a book, um, called how to eat, move and be healthy by Paul Czech. And then mm-hmm. I employed what they call a Czech practitioner and which, which we both are now, um, to help me, you know, just get biomechanically right. And what actually happened was, and I was told many times, you can't fix a leg length discrepancy, it just can't happen. Um, mm. And and what happened is, uh, you know, I was written up a stretching program, a, a foam rolling program and mobilizations. And I followed that extremely diligently. And it was literally only within six to eight weeks, there was a difference, you know, and mm. I was seeing a, a chiropractor once a month and he was like, you can't change leg length, you can't change leg length. And then did this stretching program, stretching slash foam rolling slash mobilization program. Uh, after two months, he's like, my God, you, you've actually literally, you've like basically um, now have an even leg length discrepancy. What the hell are you been doing? You know, so... Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was just a lot of um, precise stretching that helped that. And then from there, it was like, cool, this is this is something I'm really interested in. So uh, I studied the first Czech course in 2012 um, after being, you know, borderline obsessed with health for probably two years before that. Uh, started, started, yeah, did the first course in 2012. And then um, I was still working in banking and finance at the time uh, and then uh, resigned two years later. Um, yeah, took a little bit of a break and then went into health. Yeah, cool. So there's a few things I want to touch on there. And the first thing is like the leg length discrepancy thing, because there's, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be born with one leg longer than the other. And then that's a thing where you would need an insert for your shoe, right? Like you see a podiatrist. I I agree that there's, there's something, you know, there's like your structural, um, Mm -hmm. which would be potentially born, um, with, with a shorter leg than, than the other side. Or there's functional, which is kind of like, yeah. well, it's a, as a result of your function. Um, you know, I never re-got my leg length discrepancy scan. Um, it was only by observation from the Cairo where he said, look, you've basically evened it out now. So, mm. so yes, I think I had a, a, a functional, um, you know, uh, a functional difference there. Yeah. And so I think what I remember you saying was that that was a short QL or quadratus lumborum that was doing that, right? So... Uh, a muscle that attaches uh, to the top of the pelvis in the back. And mm-hmm. when you lengthen that muscle, it changed the, the length of the leg. Yeah, it was quite a uh, quadratus lumborum work. Um, and, you know, this was now, you know, 11 years ago, I did that program. So QL work, um, a bit of foam rolling on that, on the, uh, you know, a bit more foam rolling and stretching on the tighter side. Um, mm-hmm. I think even sort of the hamstring glute area. 
and yeah, like I said, within six to eight weeks, it, in, in a, you know, in accordance with the chiropractor's observation, it was hmm. um, basically equaled out. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so let's talk about like then what what got you into like actually practicing. So you're working in in the finance industry. You lived overseas for a little while as well, right? Like you've got a couple of degrees. One's in finance and the other one's in well, I can't oh, yeah, remember. One's your... in commerce. One's in economics. Oh yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, one's a bachelor of commerce, bachelor of economics. Yeah, so I was in banking and finance and. Um, basically what happened is, especially after I did that course in 2012, I was like, oh, I'd love to do this full time. Like, this would be so cool, you know? Um, but then like all the fear came in of, well, how am I going to pay the bills? Um, how am I going to get clients? You know, I, I, I'm not really a salesperson by trade. You know, how am I going to, how am I going to sell myself? All those kind of things, you know? So, so I really seriously started considering it in 2012, um, but, you know, at the same time, I actually was working for a very good corporate um, uh, and always did, yeah, even prior to that employer. Like I was just actually quite lucky um, where I had really good employers and, and good managers. Um, lucky in one sense, but unlucky in the other sense because then, you know, there's no, no reason to move. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, uh, so 2012 was where I got the calling. And then, you know, I was working on some pretty interesting projects uh, in, the, in the banking and finance industry. Um, but then by 2014, it was the calling was extremely strong um, that, that, a, that a change was needed. Uh, so to the extent that I think I may have told you in the past in just one of our conversations to, to the extent that, you know, I first started waking up with just a really heavy head, um, heavy head, low energy. And it's like, all right, I can work through this. Like everyone works through this. Like it's just, you know, not everyone skips to work. That's just the reality, right? So maybe I'm just one of those people now. Um, uh, so heavy head, no energy. Um, and then what happened is uh, I actually started getting uh, quite constipated um, mm. to the extent that I had probably only one or two bowel movements a week. Um, and, and, you know, I was normally pretty regular. So so it didn't make any sense. I had a clean diet. You know, I was on basically an all-organic food diet. Um, uh and, you know, was quite irregular. I'd spent a lot of money on an integrative doctor. Um, didn't really change much in terms of the herbal supplementation, maybe 5 or 10%. Um, mm-hmm. and, then, and then what actually happened was uh, when I uh, resigned uh, from my position, uh, basically my, my bowel movements were completely restored, like literally within a week, like at the most. It was probably within even a few days or potentially even mm-hmm. the next day. So... I just remember clearly just going, oh, wow, it's just, this is, it was just my body really screaming for change. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I think a lot of emotion was clogged up in there. And then, so was that kind of a little bit of an affirmation to you that, you know, once you became more regular in your bowel movements that maybe, maybe the psychology and, and the, the physical relate to each other, but also the fact that you've made the right decision? Uh yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the the main thing that landed was how much the psychology can affect the the physical. Um, you know, mm. I'd read about it before. You know, in our check studies, never. You know, it's hard to fully buy into it sometimes. Like, you know, some of it is very hard to quantify by science. Like, you know, we we don't know how much someone hates someone else. Like, we can't measure that. Um, we don't know how much someone loves their partner. Like, again, we can't actually really measure that. So. So, you know, uh, coming from a banking and finance background, I was always pretty evidence-based sort of guy. Um, 
And for people to say, hey, look, if you're stressed at your job, that could affect your digestion. And, you know, there was always this part of me of, well, that's just complete BS, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and in yeah. and, and all honesty, like, you know, I've been doing this work now full-time seven years and I've seen a lot of changes from the mental, emotional side to how they can manifest in the physical. And even now I still have my doubts, you know. I still need yeah. more evidence. Um, you know, I think, I think it's good to stay. Yeah. I think there's an element of, of like health to that or, or, or you know, uh, healthy questioning. And, you know, I, I think I think once you make your mind up about something being totally true, then you stop questioning it, right? And so, you know, I, again, um, I, don't, I don't ever want to fall into a pattern of just believing things because someone who I deem to be an expert says that it's true. And so I like the fact that even though you've seen evidence that uh, – what you're saying is true, you're still open to questioning it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Look, I, I'll actually, um, I hope it's not going off too off tangent, but I had a conversation with a client only a few weeks ago um, uh, and she may listen to this podcast, so, so I won't mention the name. But uh, so she, she uh, I think, is a very smart person um, and she just recently started a job um, uh, in robotics, which means you've got to be quite smart, really. Uh, mm. and, and she graduated with uh, honours from her university um, and she's just like, I'm just not smart enough. I'm just not smart enough. And and she was like, I've got to change it. So I was like, hey, look, you know, we can try and change it or maybe we even embrace it, you know. So the I'm not smart enough can can keep us curious. You know, it can make sure that we really do learn the material. Just imagine if a graduate went into a corporate and said, I am smart enough. I know everything. Like you're going to miss a lot of stuff, you know. So, so I personally think yeah. it's good to have this balance of, of um, I'm not smart enough, you know, I am smart enough and almost working in balance, bouncing between the two, you know, because the I'm not smart enough can keep you curious and keep you grounded. Uh, the I am smart enough can give you confidence. So ideally you kind of want to um, bounce between the two in my view anyway. Mm, I really like how you reframe that. And I, I think it's it's one of those things where we can get stuck with thinking that, you know, my, my ideas are broken about myself. And so, you know, again, not to, not to rehash what you said, but it's like, well, I think we also have this idea that whenever a negative thought or emotion arises and that that must be wrong. And there's this idea that we perpetuate that anytime I'm, you know, I have negative self-talk, then I need to change that. Um, and maybe that's true to some degree, but also, a lot of the times the negative self-talk is is true. And so it's it's a part of us that's highlighting what we need to change about ourselves or it's saying um, here's an area for growth. And if we choose to ignore that, then how can we ever change? How can we ever grow? Yeah. Oh, look, you know, th this is a topic of, I, I love. Um, so, uh, and I work a lot with people's negativities and you will as well in your job, you know, people come to you with their negativity. So um, I personally think, and, you know, I may change this opinion down the track. I actually think there's more growth in the negativities than there are in the positivities. Okay. So, so, um, you know, when someone's feeling like anger or hate or sadness, there's a lot more impetus to change than if they're feeling happy and peaceful and joyous. There's a lot more impetus to change. Now, the, the tricky part is around um, uh, like, you know, things like anger, sadness and hate and so forth. Um, if people get stuck in there, uh, if they become addicted to those emotions, 
that's where the tricky part comes in. That's where the work needs to come in and like, all right, we need to start finding some balance here between the positivity and the negativity. Um, I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll throw a couple of examples at you as well around around emotions and where science is going with this. And and again, like I said, it's very difficult to measure emotions, you know, that someone's holding in their body. It's quite subjective, actually. So there's there's mm-hmm. pre, like, you know, there's research, and I've come across this in the book, um, your body says no by Dr. Gabor Mate. Have you have you heard of Dr. Gabor oh, Mate? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep, yep. I really, really, really love his work. So, so great book as well. Um, and he talks about he cites loads of different research in there. And I just remember one clearly being, you know, suppressed anger has been linked with cancer, uh, and there's some research around that. Mm. Um, you know, cancer not uh, sorry, uh, anger not modulated properly can lead to cardiovascular disease. And I have double checked these studies. So it's quite interesting. So I personally think there's a lot of growth in the negative emotions and there can also be growth in the positive emotions. Um, uh, but we just got to learn how to use the negative emotions. Um, uh, I'd probably like to give one other example if that's okay before we, before we go off another tangent probably. Go ahead. Right? So yeah, sure. So I would even say, and I know it's a political topic, but you know, the pandemic hit and there were people like myself and yourself that were, you know, angry at um, at the way it was being handled. Okay, like we come from a holistic health background of, hey, look, let's try and support your immune system, um, and and as a result, like I was, I know I got angry. So I had practically yeah. no social media before the pandemic. Okay, so practically none. I was. I'm, I'd be perfectly happy not having any social media, quite frankly, but but I've now realized it's actually can be a very effective tool. And that's what I try and use yeah. it as. Um, so some of my first videos, my very first videos were how to how to help your immune system naturally. I didn't even talk about supplementation. I was just talking about, you know, sleep, hydration, nutrition, those kind of things. And it was the anger mm-hmm. of, well, these principles aren't being promoted and they could really help people's immune system. It was that anger that actually started triggering me to do my first videos. Um, and yeah. I haven't gone back and watched them because I'm like, oh, they're probably going to be shocking videos. But, but, um, <laughs> but that, that's a good example of how anger can be very constructive as opposed to destructive. Um, so, and I think I, I even see the same in you. Like I can see you like, you know, I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with that. And I think it's led you to start your own brand and even start your own podcast. Mm. You're like, I can do my podcast better than these other podcasts that are pretty crap out there. So, so I'd say that's, that's a good example of using your anger constructively. Um, does that make yeah, sense I, at all? I, I don't that know landing so much that I want to be better. It's just that I, I, I like to spread different ideas. And I, I think a lot of the time, you know, most people, most of us, including me, subject ourselves to, to one idea set or one value. And this podcast mm-hmm. is probably an example of how I do that. Um, and so maybe it's also showing me where I can broaden my perspective. But I think we need, you know, more more of the holistic perspective, which is what prompted me to start it. But ang- I, I think to me, anger also represents, um, you know, you can ignore your anger and not change, but you can use anger as an impetus to change. And so if someone as, a, as another uh I guess, imagine example, if someone's constantly uh, provoking you or poking you and, and taunting you, you, you can use that anger and you can make it known that you don't appreciate what that person's doing. Uh, 
and then hopefully promote change uh, in a healthy way. Or you can ignore what that person's doing and say, well, I choose not to experience anger because it's a negative emotion. And you can experience what happens to you when you suppress your anger. Yeah, I mean, uh, using that example where someone's crossing your boundaries, um, I personally think anger can be used quite effectively for that. You know, that can help you set boundaries. Whether it doesn't mean you have to um, act out violently. It's just about, okay, so this is making me angry. Maybe you've got to set a boundary here. That could be as simple as not calling someone back, you know. Um, so, so the anger can be great for setting boundaries. And then as it happens, um, setting boundaries I personally think is a great act of self-love. So when you're putting yourself mm-hmm. first and setting a good boundary, then you're saying, yeah, I am actually worth it. Um, so that's another example of how anger, I think, can be used constructively. Um, where it can be used destructively is basically, you know, abusing everybody um, and creating a lot of distance and separation from yourself and everyone else. That's where it can be destructive. Mm-hmm. So... I think there's just a matter of um, people really trying to learn to um, use their anger to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think what you're saying and what we're both talking about is, is experiencing the whole spectrum of emotion. Um, and I, I think there's – I experience, I guess, the feeling and the want to only experience positive emotions. And – it's important for me to sometimes check in with someone like you or to sometimes remind myself even that experiencing negative emotions is part of being a human being, right? How can you be a human being if you're, if you're not experiencing the whole spectrum? Um, yeah. Speaking yeah, well, of Gabor Mark. Okay, good, far away, far away. So I was going to say, speaking of, uh, of Gabor I remember watching a recent video of him when his most recent book came out and he was talking about someone who's – probably quite an angry man and that's Jordan Peterson and Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson often talks about uh integrating the shadow and and you know how he's he's using the monster with him or the angry person within him to create change um and and standing up and 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 you know creating his own boundaries um and so Gabo Mate had a little bit of a different perspective on that and he was kind of saying you know calling Jordan Peterson out and saying why are you so angry and so I guess there's different takes on it. That's that's one perspective. Um, but maybe maybe Jordan Peterson is too angry about certain things. Maybe he does hold on to anger. Well, it's uh, it's 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 up to you to decide that or not. I personally think if he had no anger at all, we wouldn't even know who he is. Um, true, that's so, very true. Yeah. So if he his anger uh, is a massive driver for him, he. He hates mm. seeing certain things on this planet, hates and is very angry. I can clearly see that. Um, mm. And that's that's one of his main drivers. And really interesting, he, he's very vulnerable with his emotions, which is great and a great example. Yeah. Um, what I've observed with people is that they will bounce between anger, 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 and then they will go down to sadness and then back into anger. And the anger and sadness can bounce quite a lot. Um, but I personally think, you know, it's... It, it's one of his best assets. Um, I don't know how he is mentally, emotionally, because I've never spoke to him. But but uh, at the moment, I can see it being you know an excellent driver. Um, I heard an interview with it was his latest Rogan podcast. Actually, uh, it was a few months oh, ago yeah? now, and he's even talking about starting a, 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 an alternate like 
I don't know if he called it an alternative association to the WEF or it was kind of like a, like the World Economic Forum or some kind of association that he feels um, has a better value system. And, you know, that that is being produced purely out of anger because he was talking about how much he's angry at that um, organization and how he wants to start his own. So I personally think if he had no anger, and this goes for anyone, um, you know, what would they create? Um uh, I'll, I'll go slightly more controversial and say uh, I personally think someone like a Donald Trump um, uh, thrives on anger, you know. Um, you know and mm. I even think when people, when people and journalists throw anger at him, I actually think they're feeding his fire. He's like, all right, what do you got? Let's go. So um, yeah, yeah. I personally think he's uh, quite a good user of anger, whether you agree with his political stances or the way he acts or so forth. Um, I personally see him operating on a lot of anger as well. So, uh, you know, I see a lot of sports stars operating on anger. Um, I don't see them really operating out of a place of peace, in all honesty. Um, I see a lot of musicians um, operating sort of from a lot of, uh, you know, the so-called negative emotions. That's where they produce their best stuff. So in my mm. view, I think it's it's ideal to actually have a balance. Um, so... And the, and the polarity. So think about emotions being in polarity. So we've kind of got our, let's just say happy and sad, like two very easy polarity emotions, right? Like pretty non-controversial. Mm-hmm. So sad is on one end, happy is on the other end. Um, so that's in polarity. Now think about it. I think as far as I'm aware, everything on the planet works in polarity, even to, even to an atom level, you know, because you've got like the atom, you've got the electron and the proton. And the polarity allows movement. So like, you know, and we know that the whole world works in a little bit of vibration. So we need the happiness and the sadness to work in polarity to create the movement. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I personally yeah, it, think it does. It, it, mm-hmm. there, you, you couldn't have the experience of happiness without sadness. You couldn't have the experience of peace without turmoil. And so what you're saying is that you need the polarity to have a human experience. And you need the polarity to move. So um, let's just say mm. you're in sadness and you want to move towards happiness. Bang, there's your movement. Now let's just say you're in happiness for quite a long time. For a lot of people, that means no movement at all. And then they go back into sadness. So you actually need to have that polarity to move. Does that make sense now? I, I, hopefully I've explained my perspective a little yeah, bit Yeah, it does. It does. It does. Certainly. Yeah. So, so that's why... Um, um, so, so people can get stuck in like the just the per- permanent anger and permanent sadness. Personally, uh, and look, I do the same. Like I'll freely admit that. Um, you know, we're yeah. all a work in progress. Me too. Um, uh, so yeah, we're all a work in progress. So personally, I think it's ideal to work towards the balance. Um, and, and that is a work in progress, I think, uh, for a lifetime. Yeah, one of the things that, and, and this is a topic I want to lead into with you because I think it's, okay. it's your specialty and I think it's where your a lot of your expertise lies and that's in tapping or emotional freedom technique. And one of, I guess, the, the greatest things that tapping did for me when I, when I first started implementing it was that I, re- I felt I was able to feel a lot of anger and probably a lot of sadness that I had. Um, and I think... Uh, again, one of my one of my personal things that I'm I'm always working on is 
I like to present a, a positive image of myself or, uh, you know, I've had the comment before that, you know, everyone sees you as, or, or you like to present yourself as, as this person with no problems or whatever it is, you know, things don't bother you very much. And, and, you know, um, it's, it's been difficult for me sometimes to let people see behind the scenes. And so what EFT first showed me was, and we'll walk through the process of EFT as well to demonstrate a little bit, but it was like this this time where I was like, oh, I'm I have this anger, and this is where I feel it in my body, and this is why I'm angry. Um, and all of a sudden, actually, you know, looking behind the scenes myself, it was suddenly just this this feeling of relaxation and this feeling of calmness because finally, I maybe not accepted, but I just was able to look at what was happening within me. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Um, okay, so a little bit of an explanation around the tapping. So, uh, AKA the emotional freedom technique or EFT. So, it's been around around about, mm, I think, about 40 years. Um, and what it essentially is for people that are listening uh, is that uh, we tap certain acupressure points. Okay, so just tapping certain acupressure points. And we're talking about, you know, our emotions, our thoughts, our memories. Now, what, what's behind that concept? Why do that? Well, uh, in Chinese medicine, it's thought that emotions um, and thoughts are actually can get locked into our acupressure points, okay? So, so then you might say, well, you know, um, that sounds a bit woo-woo. And, it, and, it, and I thought the same thing as well. And um, I, I'm not sure I do agree. Thought, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, the science is starting to catch up and we now know that there probably are meridians. So meridians are the energy paths throughout the body. So 12 main meridians going through the body. Okay. And they're different energy paths. And within these meridians going all through the body, there's acupressure points. Okay. Um, now what we can see in the science is that, well, when we inject dye into like people's bodies, it starts to go down certain meridian paths. And, you know, in Chinese medicine, these meridian paths have been known for thousands of years. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing is, um, there's now over a hundred clinical trials, um, to show that tapping is quite effective, including clinical trials that have used sham acupressure points. So, acupressure points that don't exist mm. and the the results were nowhere near as good um thirdly there's now a system uh called the primovascular system i believe it's called where it's sort of saying hey look this is basically like meridians here um so so we're starting to see it work um i saw it work in practice probably before all the research came out so i was like all right well it seems to work like you know we may as well give this a go um and now there's over 100 clinical trials, which is awesome. So, you know, the research is being pioneered uh, by a lady uh, based here in Queensland called Dr. Peter Stapleton. She's, a, she's an associate professor at Bond University, uh, and she's just doing an excellent job of just, you know, really churning out the research. I think she's the head of all of it. So, um, like, there's a board, uh, and I think she's the chairperson of the board, the research board, so on tapping. Um, yeah, so cool. what, what is it? So, so you mentioned the word before acceptance and I'd actually say that was a pretty good word because um, it does help you accept, fully accept and, and, and fully realize exactly what's going on in your body. Um, that's all it really is. And, you know, you can go into deeper levels than that, but uh, it's just really accepting, hey, I'm feeling a lot of anger right now. I'm feeling a lot of hate right now. Um, 
you know, uh, and it can help you process those thoughts and emotions. Um, so that mm. that's what it is in a nutshell. Um, I've also seen it to be extremely effective for like uh, PTSD uh, and food cravings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we both... Oh, yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I think we both had some benefit out of the tapping. Um, it was probably my first experience into proper emotional healing because I, I was, you know you know, really bad with my emotions prior to that. Uh, um, uh, and men tend uh, to be, right? Like it's it's just a male thing to to be like, well, you know, emotion. We kind of, I kind of still think of emotions as a feminine thing. And so if you display emotion or if you're overcome by emotion, if your emotions affect you as a male, then you're not really a man, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and, so yeah, and, I was- and what you kind of don't realize is happening is that, when you're repressing those emotions or, or uh, letting them influence you from uh, a place of unconsciousness, they're they're running the show behind the scenes. You're spot on. Yeah, you're exactly spot on. So let's just say, um, you know, you're feeling, you know, you had a breakup, uh, a bad breakup, and you're feeling angry at a woman, right? Like, let's just say she even like cheated on you. Let's just an example, right? So. So now all of a sudden you don't trust women, but you're like, oh yeah, it was just her, you know, uh, whatever, I'll meet someone else. But then all of a sudden you might have this subconscious, like, you know, I can't trust, trust any women, you know? And then, and then it's like just running your whole, um, all your patterns around, well, you know, should I ever, you know, engage intimately with another woman again? Or do I need, do I want to have another relationship? Mm-hmm. And it's just running all subconsciously and literally um, running your day-to-day decisions. So um, this kind of exploration, uh, what it comes down to is, increasing your levels of self-awareness and then ideally making better decisions um, uh, and, mm-hmm. and making decisions that, and, that are so really I think best what ultimately you. happens, sorry to cut you off there. I think what, what ends oh, up good. happening to go back to your example is that when say you've been in that example where you've been hurt by someone in a relationship, if you're a male mm-hmm. who, or, or anyone for, for, for that matter, who, who, represses that emotion uh, and tells yourself that you're not feeling that, then the story in your, in your own mind becomes something distorted or something different. And so you might begin to tell yourself that the reason that you're avoiding relationships is because you want to work on your career or that uh, there's just the right person for you doesn't exist. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're making up these stories um, and these stories are the truest thing to you because they're literally the words that you're, you're telling yourself um, they're, they're your reality, right? And so your reality becomes distorted. Um, and it's all because you were refusing to look at this, this hurt that exists within you, because what you think of that hurt is that it's effeminate to experience it or that it makes you non-manly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, um, it can run your decisions. It can run your thought process, can run your actions. So yeah, like I said, it's just about really increasing levels of self-awareness, um, which can help you make better decisions. So let's go, let's go a little bit into the self-awareness thing. So, um, uh, and you know, we use that dating experience and we sort of, sort of, you know, we've talked about that. I'll now talk more about like exposure. Okay. So, I'm not sure about your journey, but um, when I first doing started doing this kind of stuff, like podcasting and social media, I used to hate it. Fuck, I used to hate it. So I was like, I don't want to do this. You know, mm. um, I might get criticized. You know, people won't <laughs> like me. Um, um, you know, I don't want to be seen. 
all that kind of stuff, right? So, so you know, having the self-awareness that these patterns are coming up and then when we start to, you know, taking action is one of the best steps you can take to break through a pattern, by the way. So taking action, like, all right, well, I've got to start exposing myself here. Um, now, I'm not sure mm-hmm. about you, but, you know, that pattern has now lifted quite a lot. It's quite a bit lighter. Like, I don't feel the same pressure I used to. I, I can't say that I don't feel nervous at all, um, but it's definitely lifted and the pattern is kind of, uh, broken through a little bit. So I guess my point is accepting everything that's happening um, to you know help with self-awareness and better your decisions is, is a great step forward. Another step forward can also be cool, being self-aware of what's happening and then taking the necessary action to help really move through that, um, that pattern that you've got. Mm-hmm. Let's take people through the process of tapping a little bit because Mm-hmm. I guess we've kind of talked about the benefits of it, but let's talk about how, you know, when when you're tapping on a particular issue, for example, say uh, we go back to that uh, herd in a relationship example. So what tapping mm-hmm. would ask you to do, and, and maybe you can take over for me if I get this wrong, but say I've been hurt in relationship, then you would say, well, what's the primary emotion associated with that? And I would say, Maybe anger is the example. And mm-hmm. so the next thing you would say to me is, whereabouts in your body do you feel that? And all of a sudden you say, well, that's the first time I've ever identified the fact that I can feel an emotion in my body in a particular place. Mm-hmm. And so maybe mm-hmm. it's around your abdomen or your chest. And then you're describing the feeling mm-hmm. and, and what it feels like. Maybe it feels tight. And then you're giving that a subjective rating out of 10. So say the the, the anger is quite strong and so you would rate that eight out of ten and then so all of all of a sudden i've got uh anger in my chest that feels constricting and so now i've got something to work with mm-hmm. yeah um so that that's something you that's one technique you can do with tapping um uh and i would say that would actually vary depending on the individual so some individuals are really good at identifying their emotions. Like, you know, I've been doing this work full time for seven years, like, you know, uh, health coaching, essentially, um, PT slash health coaching. So, um, and I can tell you right now that I've even got, you know, clients that are fairly new with me that are better at identifying emotions in their body than, than I am, you know. So, so some people yeah, are okay. actually, yeah, some people are very in tune. They'll just say, oh, I feel shame in my hip or, you know, that which is a pretty common, like shame is, a very common one to be held around that sort of sexual organ area. Um, and that's yep. what, you know, that's just what people will tell me, um, you know, anxiety in the gut, um, you know, sadness and grief in the chest. You know, these are just the common ones that, that come up. Um, um, so, yeah, so some people are very good at identifying it and some people just aren't. Um, you know, I'm not sure about you, but I was really bad at it at the start. It's something that I've had to work out quite a lot um, and something I still need to work out, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, uh, and I know you've spoke yeah, me to me about, yeah, I know you spoke to me about, um, you know, certain tightness in your body. You're just like, yeah, this tightness just ain't shifting. Um, and, you know, I know yeah. when I've done deep emotional work, uh, uh, sometimes I get um, a release or sometimes I'll get a message, you know. So I'll, I'll give you mm-hmm. an example. So um, I, I did, I had... A, a sore knee for about a year-ish. Uh, it was a few years ago. Um, I remember uh, that. Got sc- yeah, yeah, got scans and, and all that kind of stuff. 
uh, got scans, you know, saw some good physios, saw a massage therapist or kinesiologists or acupuncture, you know, you name it, right? So um, uh, from memory is some patella tendonitis on, in my right leg. So, so just some flare up of the tendon uh, and some bursitis, okay? Now, what I did uh, in, in, um, with assistance from a, a therapist slash mentor is just meditated on the emotions in that knee and it honestly just released up. Um, I actually started bawling my eyes out wow. and released up. Um, and I hadn't played basketball for about a year and I was back on the court almost immediately, you know, doing weights, playing ball, whereas before I could barely, you know, I couldn't walk up or downhill without pain, you know. So that, that's one example of great. Emotions are, emotions are caught in the, in, the, in the tissue and that's a release. I've got that on video. You know, I've seen it, you know, I've watched it probably five times and I know how my knee felt before and afterwards. Um, and just to let you know, the advice I was getting at that point was you need to get injections now. And I was like, I ain't getting injections. I'd rather just, I think there's something emotional mm-hmm. here. Um, so so that, that's one example. Another example would be, and I know you feel a bit of tightness in your neck um, is what you've told me. Mm. Um, uh, another example would be, I feel tightness in my neck sometimes. Now, the tightness in my neck definitely flares up when I go through a financial challenge. Um, and then it gets a bit looser if I have a better week financially or a better month financially. So the tightness in my neck, I don't think will be healed with accepting all the emotions, I think it's there to teach me a lesson. Um, does that make sense? So it's yes. kind of like, cool. If you don't, if you don't get your shit together, you're going to get a really tight neck. We're going to start talking to you, um, and you got to get, you got to get your act together. Um, and then, uh, like, I even noticed now, like this week's actually been a pretty good week. Um, uh, you know, pretty full book of clients, and it's like, okay, cool. It's actually feeling quite good, um, and I can, I can use my shoulder a lot more in the gym. So. Uh, I guess my point is in short that, you know, there are emotions that are caught in tissue. When we accept the emotions, sometimes it can actually uh, like lead to quite a, quite, a, quite a lot of relief. And sometimes it's there to actually teach us a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, you just got to mm. work with it. I remember when we did HLC2 in Sydney, I was, I was on the verge of quitting my job um, managing farms and I'd also yeah, yeah. just gone through a breakup with a girl I'd been dating for about six months. And so this happened the week before that breakup and I remember probably from the first day to the, I think that was a five-day course, sitting in that class and just feeling like aching between my shoulder blades the entire time. And it's, Oh, wow. You know, I the first thing I thought was this is a postural thing and you know, you're sitting down all day and you, you, you know, you're, you're going through 10 hour days and, and, you know, learning all this information, but it was just like this. I was constantly having to adjust my posture and change the way I was sitting. And, you know, I'm thinking I'm sitting around all these people who know a lot about posture. So that's probably got to be the problem, right? And uh, mm-hmm. it, to me, that was definitely something that was more mental, emotional than postural. Um, and you know, I'm sitting here right now, and I can I can sit for hours and and listen to someone speak without having pain between my shoulder blades. So, um, yeah, I've experienced the same thing, and I think the science is is starting to support that. You know, look at Gerald Pollock's work on the fourth phase of water, and more of these people who are who are talking about uh, fascia and the water networks in the body, and and how the tissue actually stores emotion, and the tissue stores memory as well. People think memory stored uh, in the brain. And perhaps there's some truth to that, but I, I think there's also uh, merit to the idea that um, 
for one, the posture is representative of our emotional state. Uh, and two, uh, like Matt Sorensen was saying the other day, the body hugs tension. And so, you know, the, the body is really a representation of, of your whole mental emotional state. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, and it's, it's the old saying, the body doesn't lie, right? So it's just literally an exact, you know, what you've got is um, how you treat yourself and what's going on mentally and emotionally. Now, um, some people definitely have it harder than others. Um, uh, you know, I've worked with people, I've worked with some very disciplined people um, that, that um, you know, struggle to get the body and the health that they want. But some people, uh, you know, that could be a psychological thing. Uh, and that can just be, you know, we've all got our own journey that we have to work through. Um, you know, some people it's just harder than other people mm. to, to heal um, certain things, you know, and some people have to be quite disciplined. Um, yeah, 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 so it's interesting. It's, there, there's also, I, I, I've heard referenced a few times, uh, a book by a, I think he's a, a PhD physiotherapist or some sort of doctor in, in the US and his name is Joel Iisano. You can look up his book. I can't remember the name of it. He's the author and he's an expert on back pain. And essentially what he says in, in this book, I don't know whether it's called Healing Back Pain or something like that, that 90% of the patients that he'd worked with actually had uh, mental and emotional issues at the root cause of their back pain. And so, you know, he, he was starting at the, the level of the physical and not seeing results. And so when he started to address people's mental and emotional states, maybe through firstly referring them to a psychologist or maybe learning the psychology himself, he started to get much more with, with people's back pain. Yeah, uh, well, it's interesting, uh, and and I think you mentioned that to me once in a in a co casual conversation, and and I, it's an in, it's an interesting bit of research. But let, let's just take some postural examples, okay? That are that are pretty pretty obvious. So so let's just say someone's really hunched over like this. You know that that for me mm -hmm. would show um, quite a bit of despondency, depression, potentially trying to protect their heart those kind of things and you can see those kind of postures everywhere you know where people are like hunched down like yeah. this um uh that would be the most common one um sore backs yeah like lower sore backs um metaphysically they're linked with um you know feeling like there's no support or lack of support or, or um uh you know financial instability so you know they're the main common ones around back pain um yeah so there's, there's mm -hmm. some books out there that will link certain thoughts and emotions to specific health conditions. Um, but I would say that it's ideal to sort of really work with the individual. So those books um, can be a great guide, um, but not necessarily uh, uh, like, you know, a Bible as such. Uh, yeah, and I, I think all of those things are, are meant to be uh, resources rather than, uh, you know, necessarily something that we say is, is completely true. You know, one of the things that I like about Paul Check says this and, and other good teachers, uh, who I tend to listen to say this as well. And they, one of the things they say is don't believe a word I say, practice it for yourself. And mm. if it's not true, then you know, it's not true, but you know, First, practice it on yourself. Don't just believe because I'm an expert or that it's published in a book or a Bible or whatever it is that it's it's the the word of God. It's the it's the truth. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, 100%. There's a lot of experts out there and, um, you know, everyone's got their own biases as well. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, we know how algorithm works in social media as well. So once you go down a certain bias path, like, you know, you, you'll get really entrenched in that. So mm. for sure, try it yourself, see if it works. Um, try it with other people if you're in the coaching business, see if that works and then, and then you can start to form an opinion. Um, but yeah, uh, just because someone's an expert, it might work for them. It might work for their clientele that they attract, but it doesn't necessarily mean it actually works. Um, there's people that, you know, there's certain diets I've read and books that I've read that have been extremely convincing. I'm like, this is the diet for me, you know? Uh, and then I've actually tried it and it didn't work at all. Um, so, so, you know, we are all individuals. Um, and, um, and yeah, mm. not, not ideal to use that cookie cutter approach. No. Can you give me any examples of, and I might be putting you on the spot here, but have you got any real examples of clients who you had some major breakthroughs with? Uh, mentally, emotionally, do you mean? Yeah, or, or in any part of your work. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's sort of what I do and everyone, you know, you never really know when the big breakthrough is going to come, to be honest, with some people. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I work predominantly in in mental health, um, body shape, gut health, and and autoimmune conditions. Um, you know, in terms of uh, mental health, you know, we've we've dived into that a fair bit. In terms of body shape, you know, some people will get great results. Some people will get very slow results, um, and that can be a stress based issue. Um, you know, there's a lady that I remember I worked with. She came to me in her late 60s and she'd actually always uh, you know by her own accord had always you know sort of struggled with her weight and what we did you know we did make some nutritional tweaks I, I don't think we made massive nutritional tweaks um, but we did you know the tapping um, I lean on another modality called sacred geometry we did mainly those two uh, and you know obviously talk therapy um, over about a year or two, I think it was about two years, she lost about 20 kilograms in two years. And that's like literally oh, almost wow. no nutritional tweaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just mm. purely on the mental, emotional side. And I even think part of it was, you know, she'd had um, some experiences with previous partners, which, which she had some, you know, some memories around. And I think just working with another male like myself helped her just trust, oh, look, you know, um, there are some, you know, good good men out there. So, and you know, um, it's very important that situation for someone like myself to to sort of stick with as much integrity as possible. Um, so that's one example on the body shape where it's like I thought it was at least eighty percent mental, emotional, losing twenty kilograms working on that. Um, uh, and then there's been many others, to be honest. Around you know, gut health can be quite quick. Um, you know, with nutritional tweaks or working mm -hmm. on anxiety or certain emotions. Uh, autoimmune um, uh, depends on the condition, to be honest. Uh, I find sort of the thyroid-based ones, for whatever reason, a little bit easier to work with and, and they seem to be able to correct themselves. Um, but some of the other ones can be a little bit harder. Okay. What is it specifically about the, the thyroid, do you think? Uh, well, well, I've worked with people that um, uh, that have come to me fairly early in the piece, and um, uh, you know, I, I early on, I actually worked with a client that that had Hashimoto's that ended up. 
uh, like I only worked with her for a few sessions and then she ended up um, getting quite sick about a year or two later. And so that experience um, has now really made me uh, be a lot more diligent and spark up and and be a lot more forthright when I've come to work with people with thyroid. I'm like, no, nah, I, I need to get this right and you need to do what I say because mm-hmm. I've seen this go a different direction you know so so i think it's just a bit of a past experience kicking in and also with the thyroid um there's a very common theme around you know communication and and um communicating your truth and um creativity um with thyroid so it's just really around uh, you know teaching people to set good boundaries um what i've found with people with thyroid is they're normally very nice by nature um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, they're very nice and they build up a lot inside. Um, so, so too you know, nice I, for their own, own good. It's, it's a facade of niceness as opposed to an authentic niceness. Yeah. Well, the thing is they're all very authentically nice, but there's just like, you know, they don't want to step on anyone's toes. Um, uh, and, and I, I understand the terminology you're using. So I'm just conscious some people might be listening to this because they're all really nice. Um, but uh, there's a mm-hmm. lot bubbling underneath. They would rather be sick than have a difficult conversation with someone, you know. So, so that's that. That has been a very consistent theme that I've seen with thyroid, um, which is why you know it's generally been, or well, I've seen better results with that. Whereas something like a like a rheumatoid mm-hmm. arthritis, um, definitely seen improvements with like lifestyle and nutrition, um, but then also with rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, people there have a, a lot of built-up negative emotion that they really need to use to help move as well. Um, and that one can be a little bit tougher because it actually requires a fair bit of change. Um, so, uh, and, I, and I've seen yeah, a little bit, of, I've seen people with RA improve. Um, I can't say I've seen them at this point mm-hmm. completely heal. Although I personally think um, it's, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just a very much an optimist when it comes to healing. So I personally think it's possible. Mm. One of the things that uh, a mentor of mine made me really aware of, and that was Joe Russian, was we, we talked about this concept of accepting before. And what she made me aware of was the, we often think that accepting means that we have to like it. You know, when I've accepted something, then I'll finally, I'll finally like it or, I'll, you know, it, it's okay with me once I've accepted it. And that's not what the word acceptance means when we're referring to it, at least in my understanding. Um, you know, to, to love something, and I guess, I guess we're, we're talking about a gear, the word, uh, the, the difference between the word love and like. And so the example that I like to give is that you you love your children, but you don't necessarily like them all the time. You might like them for the most part, but if your kid's being a pain in the ass and they're having a temper tantrum, then you're not going to like them in the moment, but you're still going to love that child by doing what you need to do to, to um, support them. And when you're accepting whatever it is in yourself that you're having difficulty with, you're not necessarily liking it, but you're loving it. And so you're beginning to change it by, uh, by, by loving it, not necessarily liking it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I personally think the acceptance is a fantastic tool um, to accept what's going on. Um, uh, but it can also be the hardest thing to do. Um, 
So mm. let, let's let's use the example of anger that we used, you know, earlier. So let's just say we really accept that we're angry at certain things, and then that will help us instigate change. Now let's just say we mm-hmm. don't accept the anger, then that may come out in um, snapping at other people, you know, snapping at your partner or snapping at friends and family or or launching into de- political debates at the dinner table or whatever it might be, you know, and, and some of these conflicts are, are necessary, but, um, you know, I'm talking about um, in a destructive manner. So, so mm-hmm. accepting uh, emotions is a great place to start or accepting where you're at is a great place to start. doesn't mean you have to actually like it, um, but at least accepting where you're at is, is a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Where do you see your, your career heading in the future? Where do your um, interests mostly lie? Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, look, I, I personally love what I do. Um, you know, uh, most of the work I do is online um, health coaching uh, and, you know, just want to continue to grow that. Um, and, you know, uh, what I really want to do the next step is start to go a little bit more macro. So um, I've got, uh, I've done a few public talks and I've got another public talk coming up at my first corporate uh, in about three weeks. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, ah, congratulations. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. So, um, so yeah, continue doing the one-on-one work, which I love. And then also now starting to do more public talks is, is what I'd really love to do as well. So, you know, I've been working with people one-on-one for seven years. So now I feel pretty confident to start sharing the information at a bit more of a macro level. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I, I would like to touch on with you that we haven't touched on yet uh, before we wrap it mm-hmm. up is is you do uh, functional diagnostics nutrition, right? So you mm-hmm. essentially are, are doing a, a piece of functional medicine in that where people can uh, get hormonal testing um, and, and all sorts of things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so I've got a, an arrangement with a couple of different labs here in here in Australia. So, one in Melbourne, one in uh, Brisbane, um, where I look at sort of you know different uh, hormonal patterns, um, you know the microbiome, um, like in terms of like gut health, uh, you know food sensitivity tests, um, you know heavy metal tests, uh, and they can provide a great insight. Now. Um, uh, I never know how to work with it with clients, but what I normally try and do is, hey, look, let's try and build up your foundational health as best as we can first, and then we do the labs if we need a little bit more, um, if we need to go the step further. Um, you know, there's different protocols. Some people will do the labs straight away, um, but I personally think that if someone's, you know, sleeping like crap, eating like crap, drinking like crap, then then, you know, the labs aren't going to be good. So, so, you know, and then we need to try and change the behavior after that. So that's generally what I try and do uh, with most people. If, if some people are like, hey, look, I just want the lab results, you know, as soon as possible, cool. Well, you know, there's no problem in, in running them. Um, or if, if um, someone's presenting pretty good health patterns, uh, then it's like, cool, we run them, we run them pretty early. But uh they can provide some great insights um, into what's going on, and you know, uh, you know, I, I can recommend supplementation to help bring the body into balance. Uh, and there's also some interesting things in there, you know. So I've run, um, you know, the cortisol rhythm test quite a few times with people, and it's really interesting. So this Very is just my one. own observation. I have, I have, um, you know, this is just anecdotal uh, where. Uh, I can see cortisol pumping really, really high 
normally in people that I observe to be running on pretty high anxiety or anger. Okay, that's just that's just my observation. So cortisol can pump pretty high. Um, when someone is working more through depression um, and sadness, I'll generally see that go a little bit more on the low scale. Um, and and you know, and there's a little bit more to it as well. Like they may be going through exhaustion as an example as well. They may be going through adrenal exhaustion where they've just yes. like literally burnt out. So so th- there's a few different layers to it. But this is just my general observation. So. With the lab tests, I, I consider the physical, which would be cool. You know, that person could, you know, really benefit from specific supplementation, um, but also what's going on with the psyche. Uh, and that's a lot more easier to quantify, um, uh, definitely around, you know, the hormonal tests. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good little add-on to have. Um, not always necessary, but a good little add-on. Yeah, and I, I like the addition of the the functional diagnostics, nutrition side of things, and and the blood testing. I mean, like you say, I think you exercise a level of integrity in that you don't want people to spend money unnecessarily. Um, but I think what people get uh, if you do deem it necessary and they decide to do that is you're adding layers uh, into the level of investigation that you're doing for someone. So if you're noticing that someone's, you know. Uh, depressed and then you add on the fact that they've got low levels of cortisol throughout the day when they should be you know fluctuating and elevating in the morning and you you're kind of coming up with uh with evidence and a map for people to to return or restore their health yeah look you're really adding interesting. i actually yeah i actually ran a, a cortisol rhythm test um for a for a gentleman about two or three years ago and uh, you know, we were working on the nutritional side, the exercise side, um, supplementation, a little bit of the mental emotional work, not much really. Cause I just, I just, you know, it, it you know, he was quite, um, you know, a man, like typical man, basically. So I didn't think it was the right, you know, didn't feel it was the right time to do it. And anyway, so we got the results of the cortisol rhythm test, which was, um, you know, extremely high, actually the cortisol was pumping extremely high. And based on that, he actually started, um, breaking down and telling me all these stresses, you know, so just to see it face on, like, oh, oh my wow. God, I'm stressed. And then it was just like this emotional reaction, which was awesome. Like, I absolutely loved it um, mm. to come from a guy who was, who was a pretty alpha male, actually, so and successful business owner. So, um, so it can bring some good awareness to people as well of, of you know, how am I going about things? Mm, and that's the difference in people as well. You know, some people like, some people need to see a diagnosis or they need physical evidence. And then all of a sudden it's like, that's, that's the reason why I'm feeling the way I do. And all of a sudden the barriers come down and that's what yeah. you experience. And, and then there's the, yeah. the opposite side of the spectrum, which I, I would say other people, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's a 50, 50 thing where some people just, they don't care for the diagnosis. They don't need it. And they, you know, they, they just want to feel better yeah it's definitely an art versus science um you know some people crave it and some people don't mm. so um and you know you're in the you're in the coaching industry like um it, it, it it's art versus science big time you know i'm sure if you you know when you first meet a client if you just said yeah all organic food you know exercising every day they'd probably they'd probably run off you know so it's just about um yeah yeah just 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 working with the person as best as possible and i i actually think that's the most um, that's some of the most fun part for me.
Very cool. Where can people find you, Mark? Yeah, uh, so I've got a website, um, www.markveridamos.com. Uh, I've got an Instagram of that name, so Mark Veridamos, and I've got a Facebook. Uh, so you can just add me as a friend or you can like my business page, which is um, Mark Veridamos-Holistic Health Practitioner. Very cool. Uh, from what I've seen, and I've known Mark for, for a few years now, like I've said, Mark uh, is is very good at what he does and he gets some great results with his clients. And I, I've seen it firsthand. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd always be happy to refer a client to, to Mark and um, anyone who's looking to work with someone, I think Mark is a is a great practitioner. So thanks for joining me today, Mark, and thanks for your friendship. You've uh, uh, It's always great to chat with you. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Been awesome to be on, and um, really glad you're running your own podcast. Actually, it's 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 really awesome. I know you've, I know you listen to a few different podcasts, and um, yeah, you know, and already you've got some great guests on here. So, um, so yeah, awesome. Yeah, you know, keep up the good work. Thanks, Mark.